Hey everyone, welcome back to Living... Uh, I almost just said Living Alex. Um, when? Okay, no, that was... <laughs> welcome to my life. Welcome to my life. That's going to be the intro, we're leaving it. Welcome back to Living Electric. I was going to say that Alex and I are feeling kind of chilled today. I would say a little bit on the tired side, so that's exactly why I just made that uh, little error <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> of this episode, but we're going to roll with it. That's it's right. It's going to be a good episode. So... We have uh, lots of lots of exciting things to talk about today. Um, where where do you want to start? Um, I want to start with the E-Ray. I think that was uh, kind of a, a different announcement than I think a lot of people were expecting. I think like we had seen a lot of rumors about uh, Chevy making a an electrified Corvette of some in some capacity. I think a lot of people were expecting a plug-in hybrid or fully hybrid or maybe an EV, which I don't think they're they're close to at this point, but yeah, the the real news that came out was Chevy is releasing this. I, did they even call it electrified? I didn't watch like the whole release. Uh, they but, did. Yeah, okay. they've been calling it an electrified uh, Corvette. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, I guess it's technically a hybrid, but with no plug on it. So the the front motor is is an EV motor. The rear motor is is gas propelled, and the front motor obviously because you can't plug it in. It's just charged via the the battery or the fuel i guess the gas fuel <laughs> so <laughs> and it's a tiny like 1.9 kilowatt hour battery i think mm -hmm. so i mean it's essentially nothing like i feel like that's that's almost doing nothing <laughs> yeah yeah i i definitely i feel like it's almost like the perfect marriage of like obviously you know since it's a hybrid of like gas and electric but i yeah. think what's really interesting is that like gm realizes that electrification is really what's going to help a car perform better versus just sticking to like a gas you know gasoline right. powertrain and right. i know a lot of people might agree with me or disagree with that statement but obviously you know with electric motors providing so much torque it just makes sense you know to have right. it in a sports car like a corvette but um i i think the disappointment for me is that it should have at least had a plug like if it would have had like a bigger battery pack with doable range like maybe 20 25 30 miles that would have been great you know yeah. all will drive electric corvette like i mean what else would you want <laughs> right <laughs> And it's like the best performing Corvette ever, I've heard, right? It's the yeah. like or at least fastest, like quickest zero to sixty, so that's yep. exciting. <laughs> but yep. yeah, you're exactly right. Like we've seen this on some other supercars where they've put a very small battery in there so they can get that really quick, like off the line acceleration that gas just can't do. So that part is cool. I'm glad they're moving in that direction. I think personally I would have rather seen like like you, I would have rather seen a, a plug in hybrid of some sort. Um, but I think just the Corvette jeans, if you will, like don't really, <laughs> I don't think that really fits it. I feel like you either got to go fully electric or do kind of what they did here, which is just like just enough electric to add performance. So, yeah, yeah. I, I do know that, um, in stealth mode, which is like where it's mainly, you know, utilizing the electricity from the battery, you can go up to 45 miles per hour on electric range alone. Obviously, I'm sure that, you know, you have to be very careful with the throttle and how you accelerate. Yeah. But I would be very curious to, like, try that to see how that would work. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, but, to your point, like, that's probably going to get you, what, like, less than a mile? Like, maybe two yeah. miles. <laughs> like, it's yeah. not going to get you very far. So, no. No. yeah. I kept yeah. thinking back to the, the land uh, district, like, the, like, the corvette has a smaller battery than is on those <laughs> those <Yeah>. bikes <laughs> <laughs> this is true which is just like like it's literally just like that big like it's tiny mm -hmm. so 
don't yeah. Know. Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, it, it really kind of goes back to, like, the question, like, you know, with, like, the Hummer, like, is it a waste of resources to do something like that in that right. type of implementation? I'm still a firm believer, you know, like if it gets people like more comfortable with driving an electric vehicle or like, you know, it helps them kind of bridge that gap to go electric in some way, right. then good. But um, yeah, I, uh, I I almost feel like just go big or go home in that aspect. I mean, the Corvette is so low anyways, it's already a very aerodynamic vehicle. And with them going to like a mid-engine platform for this, you know, the new C8 Corvette, they absolutely could have done a bigger battery. Like, I feel like they yeah. could have done a bigger battery in some some capacity. Yeah. But... I actually saw some, I think it was Marquez Brownlee's video. He showed, like, the the basically the car with all the guts taken out of it. And they actually left a spot in there for a battery in, like, the original C8 design. So, like, oh, it, interesting. Was, it was designed like that from the ground up to, like, have space for a battery eventually, which is pretty interesting. So they wow. were already they were already thinking about this when they designed the platform. So, oh, I don't think well, they could have put a bigger. Yeah, I don't think they could have put a bigger battery in it. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but I agree. I think I think that's what I would would have looked for. Um, yeah, well, I was going to ask you will... something. Do you think? Uh, do you think this like? Do you think the next step after this is fully electric, or do you think they're going to go to like a, a plug in? I was just about to say that. I think that this is kind of like a good test for them to see how this does to go fully electric in the next Corvette. Yeah. I mean, it's totally doable. I mean, the Altium platform allows for different like body types of vehicles. So I think I think they should. I think it would be really cool to see something that competes with like, I mean, like obviously the price difference is going to be different, but like, like I'm thinking like a Remac, you know, because to me that's yeah. one of the only two-door electric vehicles out there at the moment. If it could compete against that, or even like, you know, the Tesla Roadster, whenever that comes out, you know, that's, it's going to be incredible. People are going to want a two-door coupe. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it would do really well. Definitely. Is this a car you would, you would buy, you think? <laughs> if you had the, if, if I you had the funds. That's good point, too. Price is yeah. pretty low. If, if I had the funds, I would go and make myself shorter, and then I could fit in any <laughs> car, just like Tyler does. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, That's I mean, funny. I would consider it. I grew up with two-door, you know, vehicles, two-door roadsters. So I, I think it'd be cool to have something like that. But it just really, it depends. I mean, you know, Porsche's working on like an electric Boxster. I would, I feel like I'd rather have that over a Corvette. I, yeah. I like the Corvette, especially the C8. I think it's a beautiful generation of the Corvette. But it's, to me, I like the more like European roadsters versus yeah. some of these American ones. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah, the 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 current generation I feel like is the one that's looked the most like supercar esque. Yes, like the older yeah. ones, you you could tell is just kind of like a normal sports car, but they've kind of gone into like supercar looking territory. But, um, yeah, you want to move on to the next one here? Yeah, the shell buying Volta. Yeah, let's start with that because I'm okay. I'm curious to your thoughts on that first, actually. So. Give everybody, so, give everybody the background first of, yeah. of what's going on. <laughs> so, uh, insider scoop. I mean, that's not really scoop since it's not <laughs> public, but um, I just like to say it makes me feel fancier. But um, <laughs> Shell, Shell, essentially, which I found actually interesting, it wasn't Shell Recharge that bought Volta. It was actually mm -hmm. the global Shell like company bought Volta. I, did which you is, see that detail? Yeah, which is, is I mean, correct. Like shell recharge wouldn't have bought them it's it's shell who's kind of holding the bag at the end of the day so they're okay. they're you know 
funding shell recharge so it's similar to that similar to the volta acquisition okay okay yeah i wasn't sure how that played out with like green lots and how that acquisition happened but um yeah, so so Shell bought the charging company uh, or charging station or network company called Volta um, for 169 million dollars, um, which is crazy. But it's kind of what I believe is going to be the start of what we're going to start seeing throughout the industry is some of these bigger bigger fish, as I call them, kind of like eating up the smaller fishes within the industry, right. and um, hopefully leaving them to be as they were. <laughs> because <laughs> like i really felt like volta was or volta was doing a very good thing um with like how they had like their big screens with like the marketing and like offering like free or you know very affordable charging options for people i'm just very curious to see how this plays out um i would love to know your thoughts on it <laughs> yeah so i'm kind of seeing this from the business side of like volta was burning cash like they were the business model they had ads were not supporting the even the electricity i mean they're maybe supporting the electricity needs at the station but as soon as you have a broken station have like anything go wrong like their business model just wasn't working right um clearly because they've lost like a ton of value since going public like they've (laughs) they just got bought by shell like things clearly weren't going right so from the from the Volta side, I feel like this is best possible scenario because they're likely headed towards going bankrupt. From the Shell side, they this is definitely more of a like asset acquisition um, move for them. I feel like where they can instantly with they basically paid two hundred million dollars and now they own all of these ports. So for better yeah. or worse, they own all those ports now and. I have a feeling they'll kind of onboard them onto the the shell recharge network, if you will. Um, but I wasn't. I'm not too sure about Volta's business plan. Do they actually own like the the physical hardware at the stations? I assume they own all of them, right? They're kind of like I, just leasing space. I believe so. Yeah, okay. I'm not exactly sure, but I do know that the charging station that's actually in a lot of like the older Volta stations were actually juice boxes or like NLX hardware. Okay. And a lot of them aren't connected. Like they're they're non-network stations. Yeah. So, or chargers. So, gotcha. I'm not sure exactly if like Shell's going to rip out some of the older ones or how they're going to, you know, how they're going to do that. Yeah, it's it, these kind of company acquisitions are very interesting because, like, the plan is obviously to eventually integrate everything to one kind of unified network is the goal from Shell's end, I'm sure, like, just to make things more more clean. But for the time being, it's probably going to stay pretty similar right now. Like, I doubt much changes with the Volta network um, in the next year or so. Like, just, just personally, I don't think much is going to change. Um, unfortunately that's probably going to mean broken stations. That's going to be like, (laughs) just things aren't going to be operating at at full tilt until they can kind of a either like integrate those stations or B like figure out what their plan is with all of those, uh, with all those stations. So I truly think it's just kind of an asset grab from shell to be like, Hey, we now have X, X more ports on our, (laughs) on our, on our, uh, on our network. So. Yeah, I um I am very curious to see like what they do because I know Volta like their main thing was about like sustainability and like promoting, you know, like clean uh clean technology, obviously sustainability through like charging electric vehicles. And I know a lot of people online are curious with how an oil company is buying well I'm gonna say fuel because you know they are now <laughs> gas and electric, but yeah. how how essentially that might change Volta's image if that happens.
happens? Like, is like the entity Volta just totally going to disappear? Are they just still going to be almost like a subsidiary of that company? It's, I think there's still like a lot, a lot left to be, you know, said and seen. Um, but I mean, if that really helps push Volta stations into more parking lots and, you know, like more availability for drivers, then the better. Because, right. um, you know, that that's actually something I look at, you know, for, for my job at Chargeway. And their network has, like, really slowed down in terms of expansion in the past few months. Yeah. And that might have been due to the acquisition, you know, like, maybe behind the scenes conversations. But, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, is, this, this, like, announcement is probably months in the making. So as soon yeah. as they kind of so. entered in those discussions, they probably, like, ceased all new, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all new ports. Or at least any, like, any more planned ports. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like something just popped up <laughs> the night before and all of a sudden they're bought. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm curious about your opinion on this. So, you know, since since you worked for Green Lots and then, you know, that was acquired by Shell Recharge with with the industry, you know, like having all these like smaller networks and you obviously have like the bigger, you know, like fish, as I mentioned, um, how many stations or like how many networks do you see being acquired? Like what's what's like something you were foreshadowed? Yeah, so like like you mentioned, I think this is going to become part of a bigger trend we'll see in the next three to five years is this consolidation of charging networks, if you will. Um, and similar to the gas industry, I think we're eventually going to see, you know, there's only like three or four main players and then there's kind of the small local ones. So like mm -hmm. we've already seen that kind of initially, um, but I think it's even bigger across the... Uh, the EV charging scape because a lot of these brands or networks are trying to go like with a national footprint. Whereas like, it might be better to just be like, Hey, we just got this local footprint in Ohio or whatever. <laughs> Cause there's gas station chains like that now where it's like, Hey, we are a, uh, a regional gas station chain. We are not like, we're not trying to go globally in like all 50 States. Um, or nationally, I guess that wouldn't be globally. <laughs> the U.S. isn't the world, <laughs> so um, yeah. But they, uh, I think that's just going to be a trend. Is like we're going to see these kind of smaller potatoes uh, networks be acquired by these bigger ones, especially if they have good tech. You know, the the business model maybe they just needed more cash or kind of a better strategy. Or like in this case, I think it's purely they just want the ports out there. Like this is yeah. like. The industry yeah. right now, I feel like, is just a it's a port grab from everybody right now. How many ports can we get out there? Yeah, I can't. Um, I mean, I totally agree with you. You know, I'm I'm sure a lot of this is just to get like those ports under their network and like have them available for people to utilize. Yeah. Um, I just my big thing is that you know a lot of those older Volta stations are not connected. You know, they're not network connected. So. Um, I'm not sure what Shell's going to do with that. They're probably going to have to invest some money with upgrading that hardware, you know, yeah. something. I don't know yep. how that would look. So I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. I know they are like, I mean, we've seen in Europe, especially, they are investing a lot in the, like building up their own network, if you will, versus just managing the, managing the software side, which is where like a lot of these, like, Shell Recharge, especially Green Lots, like they were more of a network manager than a network operator, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they really only manage the software side, not as much on the like actual physical hardware. So I think we're seeing that change though, where like um, Electrify America is a great example. They they operate the uh, they operate the physical hardware side of things, but also kind of have their branded network. So. 
it's yeah i i, <laughs> I don't know what to think because it could go so many different directions um and i think a lot of people are realizing like how much cash how much investment it takes to operate a charging network like it's not oh yeah and yeah. like the business case just isn't there for it yet like just purely selling electricity just doesn't make a ton of sense so i don't know yeah. i think a lot of companies are figuring that out <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so, yeah yeah i i think i mean we've touched on this too and you know a podcast i've listened to has mentioned you know the ev revolution as a big cash grab you know so like yeah. a lot of people want to get involved and yeah it's um I agree with you. I think in the next three to five years, we're really going to start seeing the like smaller networks just being gobbled up. Yeah, let's wrap up with kind of used Tesla prices because I think that was a shock to a lot of people, I, um, <laughs> just me. in general. So, yeah, <laughs> including me. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, to begin, you know, Tesla recently announced. I think this was a week and a half ago. Um, they cut prices of both the Model 3 and Model Y. And I believe some of the, I think the Model S too. I think they cut all their vehicles. Yeah. Was it the Model X as well? Okay. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest price cut was the Model Y because that was dropped by 20%. For long range, it went from like 65, 66,000 to about 52,000, essentially overnight. You know, it was a huge price cut. So um, it definitely got people excited. You know, people were very uh, happy with it because especially people going from other vehicles into a Tesla, you know, it made them more accessible in a sense. Right. Um, and with them being under that price cap of $55,000, some of them would qualify for the new federal tax credit, um, which is good. You know, it gets people excited. But for current Tesla owners, it's not exactly uh, happy news yeah. <laughs> for some people. <laughs> Yeah, you never want to see the model that you're driving drop in price, especially new, <laughs> right? <Yes. laughs> yes. So, exactly. Yeah, and our our value of our Model Three essentially just like plummeted overnight. Yeah, and we have less than fourteen thousand miles on our car, so it's essentially still a newer Model Three, and now it's it dropped by like twenty thousand dollars in value. Yeah, not yeah, not great. So no. But there are a few reasons why. <laughs> yeah, so we'll link. Uh, I think Doug DeMiro had a pretty good video on it. Um, and I've seen just some other s- speculation. But we'll cover come a, some of the points that he covered in his videos and kind of give our thoughts as well. But um, one of the big ones he touched on in the video was just higher interest rates. So, like, just, again, economically, like, <laughs> that really affects a lot of things. Um, I wasn't 100% in agreement with him because he said... Um, high interest rates especially affect people um, that work in that industry. Um, so he huh. said something like, basically, it's a lot of people that work in banking or like are affected by these high interest rates is directly affecting their business so they can no longer afford a Model 3. So prices then are dropping, which I'm not 100% in agreement with. I think just the interest rates in general, they affect everybody. So yeah. I don't understand like, that. I mean, I'm not an economist and I don't have like an accounting background or anything like that, but yeah. I don't understand how that how that would impact that. Yeah. Yeah, like higher interest rates are generally not as good for people in that business because they are it's then harder to sell things to be like, "Oh, you can buy this car with an oh. 8% interest rate when it's way cheaper to buy it with 3% interest Got rate." It. Kind of similar to that. So okay. when people are giving out like loan officers and stuff like that, like when they're selling a house, like it's way harder to <laughs> get more people to buy houses when mortgage rates are eight percent. So got it. Okay, that's that kind of the sense. reason he was giving, which I I kind of agree with. Kind of don't like. I think that just affects a new car purchase regardless. So 
the interest rates are definitely affecting that. I don't know what you got your your loan in at, but mine's like I think three, three and a half percent or something like that. So ours is around four. Okay, so, so so definitely lower. If I just looked on their site recently, and I think it's like a five or six <laughs> percent loan rate right now, which is like yeah. just not great. Tyler's under... mini is seven percent. Seriously? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's actually holding its value, so we should be able to refinance it at some point. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, it made me want to vomit when I saw that. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's definitely playing a role, um, and that's. I mean, it's kind of. I don't want to turn into an economy podcast, but. <laughs> I oh, mean, when, I won't when... let it because I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> But I think that that definitely affects people like when they see, oh, my loan is now like $800 instead of $600 a month. So like that definitely gives people kind of second guessing them. So they're Tesla's basically cutting prices to counteract that, um, which I think is necessary. Um, but the other part, which I think is probably higher contributing that he mentioned in the video was uh, the wait times for new vehicles have just dramatically dropped in the past past six months. So previously you would basically have to uh people were buying used vehicles because it was quicker to get a vehicle that was a year old and pay the same price than it was to buy a new vehicle at the same price and we did that wait. yeah so yeah i mean that has essentially gone away now where you can get a new tesla you know within a month and you're <laughs> it's brand new nobody's ever driven it before it's got you know a brand new battery all that stuff Whereas you just couldn't do that six months ago. So I think that's probably the more more contributing factor to the the dropping prices is they don't have this crazy um this crazy backlog of, of production. Yeah. Yeah. I um I'm like trying to wrap my head around that piece as well with how that might impact like, you know, like re like oh I I get it like used vehicles. But at the same time, like, there is still a market for used vehicles. And, like, you know, like, from what we're seeing, too, like, other products like the Kia and, like, the Hyundais and, you know, like, the Mach-E's, like, you know, the Ford Mach-E's, all of those are still holding their value, like, substantially more than what the Tesla are, or, you know, Teslas yeah. are. So, and and as of yesterday, we did check, and our value actually bounced up slightly, uh, yeah. according to Kelly Blue Book, but, Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. And I know a lot of dealerships are kind of inflated now, like in terms of like how many vehicles they have on their lot. So maybe they're not paying as much. They can't handle another used vehicle in the lot. Not, you know, not entirely sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I am curious how that'll affect other vehicles because I think as they kind of pick up production and meet the, that demand. But the thing is a lot of the, the non-Tesla vehicles are brand new models. So they're still yeah. ramping up production. So you're still waiting on a new car. Like mm -hmm. like our, our Ford F-150 is a, is a perfect example. Like we, we just got invited, I think, uh, gosh, it's probably been four or five months now, but like they'll text us occasionally saying, hey, are you ready to order your car? And it's like, I mean, no, we don't really want it right now. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, I'm curious how that'll affect everybody else. Cause I think we'll see a similar thing on other brands as that kind of wait time goes down. So, Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then, uh, the last one was demand. Um, I actually, I'm curious about this because, you know, Doug DeMiro mentioned like, uh, demand was down for Tesla's. And I get it, you know, like there's a lot of EVs that are coming to the market, but my personal opinion, I don't think that's necessarily the case for Tesla. Um, I would love your opinion on that because like they, they're selling like crazy. 
you know like so the i put that in cut. the chat i probably didn't phrase that right in the chat um oh because <laughs> i i meant demand of like uh of used cars have gone down not the new ones like we just oh, talked about my so, bad. yeah <laughs> yeah well well there is there is still that argument that demand for tesla has dropped like you know a lot That's of true. people who who aren't exactly like the biggest like tesla you know fans or like maybe they're you know, investors or, or whatever, you know, maybe they're shorting the stock. This is not an economy, economist <laughs> podcast or anything. But, um, you know, maybe a lot of people think that, like, demand for Tesla is down, and I don't think it is. Like, I think, if anything, this price cut is going to raise more awareness and, you know, bring more demand for the vehicles. Because, like, on almost every single forum I'm on that, like, is either, like, a Ionic 5 or EV6 owner, like, page, there were so many people who I saw that saying, oh, I'm getting rid of my car for a Model Y or a Model 3, yeah. which is, you know, do whatever you want. But um, it just kind of brought more awareness to, to the vehicles. I think so. I think I think just the Tesla prices in general have gotten so inflated over the past, <laughs> past yeah. year or so. And I think this was really like a market adjustment to be like, hey, this is what these cars are worth in the current, you know, economic sphere in the, the car, car market, like, which I agree with now. I think people are, are having that that look now exactly what you're saying they're saying oh i've got this mach e on order or i could order a a a model y and get a similar car and pay roughly the same amount or less so yeah yeah, yeah. well maybe maybe one day we'll see that thirty five thousand dollar model three um <laughs> i'm already seeing it with my resale value so <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> I was looking actually like the used prices on cars in general have gone down a ton and we've thought about getting a second car. Um, oh, because yeah. Mallory's yeah. car, like I don't want to drive um, and we're probably going to sell it here in the next six months. So I was like, I want to pick up a used EV of some sort that's relatively affordable. And I've been debating between like a, a really old Model S or like a few year old like Nissan Leaf or something like that. Um, yeah. And I feel like a Model S would be more fun, but I'm also not sure of all the like problems that may arise with it. Like I definitely <laughs> want to get one that either has a battery replaced or has the the MCU replaced because I know those are like big things that go wrong. So I don't want to get into that mess as well. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> trying to trying to play it careful here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the good thing is that there are a lot of good used EV options. Like, even if you guys just got, like, a standard range Model 3, like, you yeah. can find really good used deals on that. Right. Um, or even a brand new Bolt, you know, since they have, like, the, the tax credit right now. You could That's essentially true. get one for under twenty grand with yeah. the tax credit. Yeah, I'm careful with that because we'd still be waiting till next April to get that tax credit is the problem. Oh, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it does make sense, but it's it's then you're waiting. You yeah. Know over a year for <laughs> for seven yeah. five hundred bucks <laughs> yeah well i say just get a hybrid no i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah <laughs> but all right anything cool. else you want to discuss are we we good for today i i think i think i'm good you know there's there's a lot going on and you know as i <laughs> mentioned at the beginning of this episode when i had that error alex and i are kind of tired um so hopefully next episode we'll have a little bit more energy a little That's bit right. more living electric <laughs> <laughs> Um, we'll but yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. All right, cool. We'll see everybody in the next episode.